Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sarah Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host, Sarah Davison, shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sarah Davison. Welcome back to the show where you'll learn to transform your heartbreak into happiness. I'm Sarah Davison and I'm here as your trusted guide to help you every step along the way. On today's episode, we're diving into dating. Now, are you making the same mistakes over and over again? And how are you going to attract your ideal partner? Yes, I'm going to dive into today how you can make sure we learn the lessons from the past so that you don't keep repeating them. Because life has a funny way of teaching us the same lessons over and over again. Have you noticed that? Until we sit up and take notice. So today's episode is going to be packed full of techniques to help you take control of that so you learn from the past and turn it into something positive that you can use to move forward. Now, I know a lot of you will be thinking, I don't ever want to date ever again. I'm not sure that I'm cut out for this. I'm not sure I'm ever going to find someone who truly loves me. And what happens if I find someone and it turns out that it's not the fairy tale I thought it was? All these questions are completely normal, okay? So please be reassured that you're not going mad. It's normal to feel this way, especially if you've been through a really tough or devastating heartbreak in the past. It's your body's natural way of protecting you from getting hurt all over again. It's normal for your body to be telling you, well, hmm, maybe you won't be doing that again, because if you do, it ends up in heartache and pain. But I'm here to tell you that if you learn from the past and you're consciously aware of some of the patterns you run or behaviors that you do that maybe mean you're making the same mistakes over and over again, then we can actually put down some safety nets for you. So you can take some time out now to actually think carefully about what your ideal partner would be and how you can prevent yourself from attracting someone that might end up hurting you. Of course, there's no magic wand to take away all the pain or all the risk, but there are things you can do to increase your chances of finding a loving, fulfilling relationship again and being able to trust people. So it's interesting, isn't it, that divorce rates actually increase on the whole after your first divorce. So the first divorce, 50% of marriages end in divorce uh, as a US stat. Then second marriages, 67% end in divorce. That's a huge hike up from 50% from first marriages. So 50% first marriages, 67% chance you're going to end up in divorce for your second marriage and wait for it. 73% chance that you'll end up divorced in your third marriage. Now, please know that those stats do not include people who've listened to this podcast. So you're in the right place, okay? The important thing is that we avoid the traps. And that's what I'm going to help you do today. I'm going to help you avoid the traps and learn the lessons that you need to get clear on not only what you want, but also what you need. Now, the important thing is to have fun when you're dating, not go in fearful or worried. Although I know that's a big ask at this stage, but we need to reduce the level of pressure you're putting on yourself to find Mr. Right or Miss Right. It's not about that at this point. What I really would like for you is that you have some more fun. 
Okay, I want you to get your sparkle back. It's often one of the very first things to go during a breakup. So in order to get back out there, back in the driving seat of your life and to boost your confidence, I want you to focus on decreasing the pressure you're putting on yourself. Okay, let's aim for finding Mr. Right Now or Miss Right Now. Okay, because that's okay. You can have some fun, you can learn, you can boost your own confidence by interacting and finding someone that just makes you feel good about yourself, where you can have some fun experiences and it may not be forever. In fact, it might be for a really short period of time, but it's all small steps along the way to you feeling more empowered and getting over your breakup and finding the happiness that you're looking for. So it's really important, guys, that you are not looking for someone to fill the gaps and the holes in your life. Now, I've been guilty of this too, so that's why I know that this is really true. I was dating someone who I would go and see as soon as my ex picked up my son because I found it really hard in the early days to adjust to not being around my son at weekends. So I would jump in the car and go and see this guy. He was a lovely man. We're still friends today. We had a great relationship. But I remember when we broke up, we were both sitting at the kitchen table and just figuring out that things have fizzled out and it wasn't really working anymore. And one of the first things that I said was, but what am I going to do when my son's with his dad? And I'll never forget when he looked at me and he said, Sarah, that's really not a reason to stay in a relationship. And I realized that this was one of my biggest fears of being divorced is spending time on my own without my son. And this was in the pretty early days after my divorce. So I quickly realized that having someone to go and see and do would be a great distraction. But the thing is, it's not sustainable just on those levels, okay? You need to fix the gaps in you. You need to learn to get comfortable with those things and not rely on somebody else because it makes your relationship very vulnerable. So I also have seen over the last decade of clients coming to my clinic for coaching sessions that they tend to have in the early days after a breakup, just two criteria for choosing a new partner. Now, can you guess what they are? Well, number one is... They have a pulse. (laughs) And number two is they show them one sign of affection. And that's it. They then go into what I call a limpet mode, where they sucker themselves to this poor person because they're scared they'll be on their own. And now they've found someone who will never leave them. (laughs) Unfortunately, that is not, again, another recipe for success. So I'm just highlighting these scenarios to make you aware, maybe shine a light on some behavior that you may be doing, or maybe you know somebody, maybe intimately, that might be doing the same thing. So it's also important to set realistic expectations from your relationships. So if you're looking for perfection in a partner, you are setting yourself up for disappointment. We all have different friends that we go to for different situations in life. For example, you'll have your party friend, the friend we confide in, the friend who gives us career advice or we can talk to about work, or the friend that we go to to talk to for help with the kids, for example. Now, one of my friends, Sue, is one of my bestest friends in the world, and I can tell her my deepest, darkest secrets. My other friend, Carla, I can party with her till three in the morning, and she's a great laugh and a wonderful friend, but she's not the friend that I would confide in. So we all have different friends for different things. However, When we come to partners, we expect our one partner to be all singing, all dancing. We expect them to be a great lover. 
We expect them to be a great friend. We expect them to be able to cheer us up when we feel down. We expect them to listen to us when we talk about work or chat about friends or discuss issues with the children. We expect them to be able to help us around the home. Yet we put so much pressure on one person to do all these things. Yet we don't do that outside of our partner with relationships with friends and family. So it is really important that we set our expectations for relationships so we don't end up being disappointed. It's just not realistic to expect your partner to be all things to you. And obviously, there's some things that you would only do with your partner. However, there are also other things that maybe friends or other family members can help and support you in. So this is important just to set your expectations so that you're not putting too much on your partner and you've got more chance of making it a successful relationship. So how do we set the game up to win so that you can start dating again and feel confident and excited about it whilst dialing down and minimizing the chances of you being heartbroken again? Of course, we can't take away all the pain or minimize the risk completely, but there are things we can do to set up a safety net that protects you. So how does it work? Well, first of all, we need to focus on what you want. Now, you wouldn't leave your house in the morning without knowing where you were going because you'd never find it. And to be honest, even if you did, you wouldn't know you'd found it. So the important thing here when you're looking for a partner and you're trying to design the ideal partner for you is to figure out what you want. Now, for most of you, the physical traits will come pretty easy. You know what you usually are attracted to. Tall, dark, handsome, short, blonde, blue eyes. Whatever it is for you, that will come more naturally. But then we need to think about other traits that are important to you too. It's always a good idea to write this down because what that does is it actually makes you think about it carefully. And you've got a written reference as well, which will help you later down the line. So first of all, let's talk about looks. What kind of looks would you like your partner to have? Now, this is in an ideal world, but obviously be open-minded. Don't get stuck in things that you've always done. Be open to trying new things. What would their personality be like? And what would their values be? Is kindness important? Is loyalty important? Would a sense of humor be really important on your list? This is a chance to capture and just blue sky scenario, put everything down on a page, stated in the positive. So that would mean if you wanted someone to be generous, you would put generous, not stingy. Do you see what I mean? It's important that everything is stated in the positive. This is a really empowering list of qualities that you would like in an ideal partner. Also add in interests and hobbies. If you're really passionate, for example, as I am about scuba diving in an ideal world, your partner might be great at scuba diving and be interested in it too. So other things that might be important to you could be education. Is it important to you that they went to university? Is it important to you that they have a certain career? Maybe if you work shifts, then it's important for you, or it would be a lot easier for you to meet someone that had the same sort of schedule. Now, obviously, these things are details, and we have to be open-minded and flexible, but this is about designing your ideal partner, so you can put it on the list for now. But just knowing that some of these things, you're going to be a little bit more lenient on than others. Is sense of humor important to you? Then put that on the list. Is it important that they're close to their family? Or is it important that they have kids as well so that they understand if you have kids, are finances important to you? In an ideal world, would your partner be financially independent? If so, put it on the list. Now, I want you to brainstorm and brain dump everything that you would like in a partner onto this list. 
if religion or politics or things like that are important, they need to go on too. This is about you creating your perfect partner for moving forward. Now, obviously, there is no such thing as perfect in the real world. So what we have to do is know what we're flexible on. For example, if you speak French and you would love it if your partner spoke French too, then that is something that would be a nice to have, but not an essential. If, for example, you wanted your partner to have green eyes and it turns out you meet someone who ticks most of your boxes, but they have brown eyes, I would hope that that was something that you would be flexible on too, okay? But this chance is to dump everything down to get a picture of what you want. So after you've written down your list of positives of what you want from a partner, we also need to look at what you need. Now, this is absolutely essential because this is where you learn from the past. This is where you learn from the mistakes you made. So if like my recent client, Kate, you found that your ex really didn't listen to you. He wasn't available emotionally when she was upset, that she always had to cheer herself up, that her partner never wanted to talk about emotions or feelings. For her, Kate recognizes that she desperately needs an emotionally intelligent man. She needs someone who is open and able to express emotions and feelings and also cheer herself up when she's feeling down. So that's a need for Kate. She's learned from that from the past. And so that's on her list. So make sure that you put in things that you need. Is there anything that you know you didn't have in the past that you would really value? Something that you know without in a relationship, it couldn't work. Maybe that's someone who's upbeat. Maybe it's someone who is financially independent. Maybe it's someone who is great with kids. Whatever it is for you, make sure you put on there, not just what you want, but also what you need. Okay, now the second part of this exercise is where the safety net comes in for you, okay? And this is really important, really, really important because this is where we write a list of a maximum of up to five must not have. So these are things that your partner must not have. So these are things that would compromise your values and your morals maybe and provide you with a real warning sign that this is not a long-term partner for you. Now, what you might find and a lot of my clients find when I do this exercise with them in a coaching session is that a lot of the things that go on their must-not-have list are things that they've learned from their past relationships. So for example, if someone lied to them, then lying would be on that list. If someone cheated on them, then cheating might be on that list. If someone was an addict, then an addict might be on that list. This is all things that you've learned from past experience that just don't work with you. So if it came up in a relationship, it just wouldn't work for you in the long term. So it's important to know this. And this is why this is a safety net, because if any of those five must not haves come up on a date, then what happens is you automatically deploy your parachute and you get the hell out of there. Okay, this is not a, well, maybe let's see, maybe I can tolerate it. No, no, no. Stop and get out. This is how this protects you from getting your heart broken from somebody that you know fundamentally you cannot support or tolerate that kind of behavior or that difference in values. You don't need to learn this lesson again and again and again. This is a lesson that you've already learned and you're banking in your five must not have list, okay? It could be that they have children and you know that you don't want to be in a relationship with someone who has kids. So think carefully here because these are warning signs. They're not, he has green eyes, she has blonde hair, 
those aren't important enough or significant enough. These are things that absolutely violate your morals and your beliefs and mean it would not be a sustainable relationship moving forward. By writing this list, it serves as a red flag, like a warning sign, if you like. I had a client, Holly, who found her ex-partner really rude. He'd be dismissive. He was quite arrogant. And so on her list, she wrote rudeness. She just didn't like it. She went on a date with a guy and he was amazing. They went for a walk in the park. They had a lovely time. And then the second date, they went to a restaurant. She was really excited and hopeful that this could be the one, that she had met someone where they had a lot in common, a lot of interests and shared hobbies, which was great. She was really excited and can see potential. So on the second date, he took her to a restaurant. To her absolute horror, he was so rude to the waitress. He talked over her. He laughed at her. He told her to go away. He sent his food back. He talked down to her. She just said it was so uncomfortable. She said it completely reminded her of why she had rudeness on her list. And as soon as she'd left that date, she sent a text him saying, thanks very much, but I don't think this relationship is going anywhere and got herself out. Now, in that moment, she did find it a little bit hard because she found him extremely attractive. She phoned me the next day and said, have I done the right thing? Have I done the right thing? And of course, I reassured her because he may have been attractive and he could have been Mr. Right now for a short period of time, but he would never have been Mr. Right. She knew that. She was very clear on that. But it's always hard if you like someone and you are feeling a bit sad and lonely to walk away from something that could be good. So this is why we write this five must not have list, because it protects you. It gives you that overriding switch where you go, no, this is one of the five must not haves. It is so important to me. I don't want to risk getting my heart broken by falling in love with someone who I know has traits that I just don't like, that are not acceptable to me in my world. So it's easier to get out early, even though obviously Holly was a little bit, oh, sorry, have I done the right thing or not? But she's since moved on and she's still dating and she's loving the experience. And the guy she's with at the moment, she's been with for six months and she's really hopeful this is the one. So, you know, by filtering out the opportunities that aren't good for you, you increase your chances of spending time with people that really could work for you. So it's a great exercise. It is really empowering to work out what you want. It also serves for those of you who are still in heartbreak and thinking, oh, I'm just not sure I can face dating right now. It also serves as a great checklist to dial down the heartbreak with your ex. Because I can tell you now that when you've written what you want and you compare it to what you had, you'll notice some gaping holes between what your ex had to offer and what you really want. So when you've created a list of what you want and what you need, all stated in the positive, and then also you're up to five must-not-haves list too, then I want you to write that up and keep it somewhere where you can look back on it because this really is your safety net for dating. This is what's going to help you to make better decisions, to increase your chances of finding love, and to also help you dial down your heartbreak on previous relationships by just doing the comparison of what you really, really want and need versus what you actually had. And that will definitely help you to move forward. Thank you for listening to today's episode and allowing me to help guide you from your heartbreak to your greatest happiness. That's it for today, and I look forward to you joining me on our next episode. That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. 
Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to Sara's virtual Heartbreak to Happiness retreat. This is a transformative combination of live webinars with Sara herself, coupled with her empowering online video program designed to help you cope better with your breakup and start feeling happy again. For more details, head on over to heartbreaktohappinesspodcast.com, where you can also get a copy of Sara's gift. Thank you, and join us again on the next episode for another dose of Heartbreak to Happiness.